Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our daily reading of the Gospel of the Day and brief meditation. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, September the 16th, 2023. It is the 23rd Saturday in Ordinary Time. It's also the feast day of St. Cornelius and St. Cyprian, martyrs. And it is also a day in which we honor Our Lady, a Saturday in Ordinary Time. Our reading is from the Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus said to his disciples, A good tree does not bear rotten fruit, nor does a rotten tree bear good fruit. For every tree is known by its own fruit. For people do not pick figs from thorn bushes, nor do they gather grapes from brambles. A good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good, but an evil person out of a store of evil produces evil. For from the fullness of the heart the mouth speaks. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, but not do what I command? I will show you what someone is like who comes to me, listens to my words, and acts on them. That one is like a man building a house, who dug deeply and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the river burst against that house, but could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who listens and does not act is like a person who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the river burst against it, it collapsed at once and was completely destroyed. One of the millions and gazillions of reasons that Jesus is awesome is that he gives us advice in other areas of our lives, like how to build a good house. That's great. (laughs) I bet you there's builders that still don't know that. But it's also a great image for the point he is trying to make. We are to be the house with a solid foundation so as not to fall. We are to be a good tree that bears good fruit. We are not to be phony Christians. We call him Lord, Lord, but we don't follow him and follow his teachings. All these things go together. And I believe the heart of the reading is a good person out of the store of goodness in his heart produces good. For from the fullness of the heart, the mouth speaks. Let's talk about the heart a little bit. Sometimes people will say they have a good heart and that's why they're going to heaven. But as Jesus says, the heart produces fruits. The tree produces fruits. The house produces fruits. The heart produces fruits. If a person is not producing fruits, they're going to lose the goodness that they do have. These two things go together. I, I'm just thinking of an example, and I can think of lots of examples. Um, a woman that I met when I was working not too long ago, I had to work with her on some different projects, and um, I met her husband, I met her kids, and I just... Um, you know, she's a good person, just, just good person. And just, you know, I talked to her about a number of different things and I finally asked her, uh, what is it you do for a living? And then she told me, oh, I'm a, a a pediatrician. And I just for a moment, and I don't know what she thought when I did this, but I was like, oh, now that could have been an, oh, as if to say, and this happens with me a lot. Um, oh, you do that? That doesn't match at all. <laughs> but the reason for my oh when she said this to me was, 
Wow, I I get it. That's exactly what you do. Of course you're a pediatrician. She was such a good person with such a good heart. Not just a good heart, but I saw the way she interacted with kids. I saw the goodness within her. I saw the way she was like a, a bit of a teacher and instructor, instructor, I mean, when she would talk. And I thought to myself, oh, that's a perfect match. That's incredible. Of course she's a pediatrician. And uh, like I said, who knows what she thought when I, because I didn't say anything after that. I didn't really get a chance to talk to her after that. But I just thought, wow, that makes perfect sense because I've seen little glimpses of the heart in my interactions with her and in my interactions in general with people. You know, you can't help when you're doing ministry to see people's hearts and then to see like, oh, no wonder yeah, she, like there's all this good and and it's focused good. And then she does that for a living and it's like, yeah. And this is one of the purposes of life coaching and spiritual direction, which I'm very much, you know, doing in my life, um, receiving and giving. It's helping people see their own hearts and then helping people produce the fruits that are naturally going to flow from that heart because God made that heart to do those things. So God is so good the way that he makes us, the way that he sets up our lives. And, you know, he wants us to produce certain fruits, but definitely good fruits. So one of the purposes of this reading today is that we have to have a good heart. Like I said, producing good fruit is connected to the heart. Sometimes one comes before the other. Sometimes producing good fruit, even if it goes against our nature, well, that helps to form the heart. But there are many ways to form a good heart. Of course, good parents, hopefully, are forming their children to have good hearts. Uh, but we can't control that. We can, you know, we can still, at this stage of our lives, try to have a good relationship with our parents. And sometimes that's easy. Sometimes that's hard. Sometimes we have great parents. Sometimes we don't. Um, but that is one thing in the origin of where we're coming from that that helps us to become who we are. But of course, as we honor Our Lady on a Saturday, I think you know who had the greatest heart ever was Our Lady, you know, in terms of human beings, Mary would ponder the scriptures within her heart. What a great lesson that is for all of us. In a very simple little line there, she took these things, she pondered them within her heart. She held these things within her heart. Mary had a good heart. And so everything she did was good. Everything was without sin, which is why we have big pictures and feast days in honor of the heart of Mary. In addition to honoring Jesus's heart, which was pierced for us, Mary is also told in scripture about her heart, a sort of sorrow will pierce her heart. We believe there were seven sorrows of Mary. These are seven. I'm sure there were more, but there are seven sorrows that we commemorate uh, honoring our blessed mother, things that she suffered in particular, and she suffered them perfectly. She perfectly loved God and us, and even her tormentors through all these things. Her tormentors really being you and me, because Jesus died for our sins, and Mary suffered along the side of her son. So with Mary as our example, as our model, we strive to form our hearts. Mary shows us scripture forms your heart, my heart. This is one of the best things. But you know, and you know, books are a great way to form the heart. Books don't work for everybody, though. I mean, they're ideal. It's it's so great. You know, like the best thing you can meditate on is the words of Jesus in the Gospels. 
for me. I love books. I'm sitting in a room right now filled with books. They're acting as a little bit of a sound buffer, but also I love coming into this room and I just, some of these books I haven't read, some of these books I have, and I just love them. They're like my friends. Uh, reading books forms the heart, especially good spiritual literature, things that will help us to grow in virtue and grow in our prayer life and grow in a greater love for Jesus and Our Lady and the church, etc., and the angels and the saints and God the Father and the Holy Spirit, etc. We want to constantly be forming our love. I love to read church history, you know, about churches being founded and missionaries going to scary places and the, the seeds being planted by the missionaries into the hearts of the people there. And sometimes they find people with good hearts. And so therefore the soil is somewhat already tilled and they're able more easily to plant the seeds of the gospel. Sometimes they encounter the worst hearts, hearts filled with evil. And those hearts eventually produce the fruit of martyring these missionaries, killing them, torturing them even because they preach truth, because they preach goodness and virtue. So no matter what it is we are called to do, no matter what it is we like to read about, we are called to form our hearts. So reading is crucial, but the most important thing is prayer, talking to the Lord, letting him in, inviting the Holy Spirit into our hearts and into our minds. This is transformative. Of course, the sacraments, beginning with baptism, our sins are wiped away, but then continuing to confess our sins and have our sins wiped away so that the heart has a foundation on which to build so that, you know, the, the, the slate is clean so that there is a place to build. Uh, so good confessions, receiving the Eucharist, the Eucharist doesn't just fill the heart. It enlarges the heart. We are told it, it increases our capacity for sanctifying grace. Every time we receive the Eucharist, mother Teresa, with all the good fruits that came from her heart, whenever asked, you know, what do you do to increase your good works? What do you do? What, how can you do a better job? In fact, they even put it into the constitutions. They added more prayer. Mother Teresa recognized the more time we spend in adoration, the better we will be able to produce good fruit. That's the perfect example of how this reading works. More prayer means more Jesus in my heart, more Holy Spirit in my heart. The more I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, the more I will produce good fruits. They needed to do a lot of hard work for a lot of people that desperately needed them and really needed the Lord. And so they said, okay, more prayer time equals more work. So many in our pragmatic world think the opposite. Well, there's no time to pray. We have all this work to do. Mother Teresa said the opposite. You're going to get more work done if you pray more. And that's a constant message we hear from devotees of Our Lady, you know, when Our Lady has appeared in different places, she asks for more prayer and she promises, you know, uh, like uh, there was one apparition, I guess it's not approved. Okay. So we can, that's another whole topic, but Our Lady asking for three hours of prayer a, a day, which is something that I do uh, based on hearing that. And Our Lady promising, if you give me three hours, I promise you, you will have, you'll get all your work done and you'll have plenty of time for yourself. Because prayer orders our day. It orders our works. It doesn't just help us to organize better, but it gives the fruits of the Spirit to us to more effectively do the things that we are called to do. Not to do evil, but to do things connected with our vocation, to do things connected with goodwill, etc. 
So, and I think of, um, you know, Pope John Paul in his uh, apostolic letter, Pastoris Dabavobus, about the formation of priests. He talks about the formation of the heart. And spiritual formation, he says, is number two on the list. Because going back to Thomas Aquinas saying grace builds on nature, he says, first, we form our nature. In other words, we, we human formation is number one. In other words, if there's wounds, maybe we need counseling. If there is well, whatever, he, he talks about forming the body. There's so many things, forming the mind, forming the body, forming good, healthy relationships, working things out. If there's any wounds in the family, working on those with the help of prayer, with the help of psychology, uh, getting ourselves to a place of human healthiness, human growth, human maturity, being able to have good relationships. Then from there, grace builds on nature. So then we move to the area of grace, spiritual formation, which is mostly about prayer and the sacraments. Then intellectual formation. The more we love, the more we want to learn about our Lord, the more we want to be formed in our minds. So the heart and the mind go together, but the heart really is more important. There's a lot of people uneducated that are doctors of the church, and there's a lot of people extremely educated who may not have even made it to heaven. Who knows? And certainly on this earth, some, some very educated people are not doing good things. My grandfather used to have an expression, give me a couple more letters next to my name and I'll be a total idiot. It's kind of funny. I don't know. Um, so in Pastoris Dabavobus, yeah, this area one is human formation. Area two is spiritual formation. Number three is intellectual formation. And number four is pastoral formation, the work that we do, the ministry that we do. That's the thing that comes last, but that's still a very important part. Sometimes people think, oh, I'm going to do ministry, so let me just go and do it. And they don't understand. And this is a big problem in parish life. People running offices in parishes, people running ministries that don't have any formation. They don't have spiritual formation. They're not being directed themselves. They don't have the intellectual formation. They don't even know what the church teaches on so many different things. They don't even know enough sometimes to look it up in the catechism. So all these things are important. We form the heart because the fruits then will come from the goodness that's stored up in our hearts. I think of great saints, two that just come to mind, St. Charles Barameo. He's patron saint of seminarians, seminaries. He's also patron saint of bishops. How interesting. He was named Cardinal Archbishop of Milan when he was still a kid because there was so much corruption in the church. His uncle was the Pope. He didn't know who he could trust. He knew he could trust his nephew, but also there's a lot of corruption going into this. And so maybe he was trying to do some good, but also, yeah, he's giving it to his young nephew who doesn't have a clue. So what does Charles Barameo do? He forms himself over the next decade, basically. He read and read and read till he couldn't read anymore. He studied canon law. He studied church history. He studied the works of the church fathers and as much theology as he could take in. He studied, he prayed, he fasted, he did good works. He formed his heart so that when he was ordained and made Bishop of Milan, he was the first bishop in a hundred years to go to the city of Milan. That's how corrupt everything was. Milan is not that far from Rome. And uh, yeah, the bishops before him had been corrupt. They had not gone. And he was offered to just stay in Rome 
And he didn't have to go to Milan. And he said, what are you talking about? Of course I have to go to Milan. And it was at the time of the Council of Trent. So Charles Borromeo became the ultimate Trent reformer, the ultimate model of what was going on in that council. He went to Milan. He served as their bishop. He was humble. He was hardworking. He was prayerful. He transformed the lives of the priests. He transformed the lives of the people. When a horrible plague occurred, he was out on the street with the priests ministering to the people. And God protected them from sickness while they ministered to the people in the street. So many people sick and dying all around them. And he performed miracles with his own hands. God worked through him. So he formed his heart. He stored up the grace. He stored up the knowledge. And then the Lord let it just flow through him so that he's made ultimately model of all bishops for here to from from them on from then on. I think of another one, Thomas Beckett. Thomas Beckett was friends with the king. This is going back a couple centuries before that. And uh, I think this is like the 12th, 13th century. And the king needed somebody to make Archbishop of Canterbury who he could control, somebody very corrupt, probably just like the guy before him. And Thomas Beckett said, well, don't appoint me. Please don't appoint me. And the king's like, why? You're my good friend. This would be great. But Thomas Beckett had a little bit of good formation in him from his childhood. And he said, please don't make me the bishop because we won't be friends anymore. Trust me. And the king didn't believe him. I think it was Henry II, a precursor to Henry VIII and Thomas More and their relationship, which ended up in Thomas More's death. So Thomas Beckett said, please, no, don't do it. The king appointed him Archbishop of Canterbury. Thomas Beckett took the job seriously. He prayed, he studied, he fasted, and apparently he had had some good formation before that. He did all the right things. He made all the right decisions. And the king said, what have I done? And uh, will, will no one rid me of this meddlesome priest, was the famous line from King Henry. And he ultimately had him killed. He martyred his good friend because he was a good man with a good heart doing good things. And that's not what he wanted. That wasn't part of his plan. So for us being followers of Christ this day and from here on out, Jesus is asking us to form our hearts. He says, you'll know them by their fruits. This is how we judge the situations and the people around us. Not that we're supposed to judge, you know, as, as if to say we're going to gossip or we're going to say, oh, this person's no good or whatever. We can't judge another soul, but our Lord says it. You'll know them by their fruits. We seek out people, situations, experiences that produce good fruits in hopes that we will grow in our hearts and our fruits. And we strive to form our own hearts so that we will better be able to produce good fruits for the kingdom of heaven so that Jesus, when it is time for us to be judged, he will see our hearts and he will see the fruits that came from our hearts and he will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.